Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Clown Chat Podcast. It is Jacob here doing a quick solo episode. We never really did a preview of the second round. Um, so I, I just want to kind of come in and give some of my thoughts on how the series were going. Just in the interest of full transparency, my series picks going in were... I had Suns in, I believe I had Suns in five, Heat in five, Celtics in five, and Warriors in six. Now, I can tell you right now that Celtics are probably not beating Milwaukee in five. If they do, great, but I think there's a good chance that my read on that was wrong, of course, especially with game one going to the Bucks. You know, it's hard for me to see, you know, if it happens, I will be thrilled as a Celtics fan. But I think there's a pretty good chance that, you know, it's going to be hard to to win both games in Milwaukee. It's going to be hard to beat them four in a row, which is what that would take. I think best case right now, you're looking at Boston in six. Um. But so we'll see how we'll see how that goes. But we'll, we'll get into the series a little bit. But that's kind of what my read on it on them was at the beginning. Um, also, want to touch on some draft stuff, and I also want to kind of touch on um, where we stand in terms of you know who is likely to come out of this thing in the playoffs, right? What what things are looking like? You know, obviously, you know it's a, it's good to kind of take a check on like where we stand in terms of the contenders who is likely to win all that stuff because not all matchups here are the same right like um you could have um a team that's likely to win a series here but like it could be worse and you'll find out as as we kind of go here what I think about this you it could be worse than you know, two of the teams in the other matchup in the conference, which, which basically means that one, you're basically saying that one of these second round series here is the conference finals, which is kind of how I feel. Um, so we'll get into that. But um, also, also going to touch on the NFL draft briefly, and, and just kind of some teams that I thought did well, some teams that I didn't do well. We'll probably do some more draft stuff down the line on here. Um, Hopefully we have a guest or two to, to discuss that. We're going to talk about, you know, maybe maybe some NFL preview stuff at some point too. You know, as we go into the summer, but um, it's going to be heavy NBA. You know, especially through the NBA offseason. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Um, so we we are going to start with uh, let's just start with the with the rest rest real quick um, and and these series. I. Um, I still definitely think we're headed towards Golden State and Phoenix in the conference finals. That seems pretty likely to me. Um, and I'll say this. We'll, we'll, let's start with Golden State and Memphis. Let's start with Golden State and Memphis. It's an interesting series so far. It's been really fun to watch. I definitely think the Grizzlies are giving Golden State some problems with their athleticism. Um, you know, obviously some weird stuff happened that first game with Draymond going out, Golden State still hanging on to win. I kind of thought after Golden State won, you know, managed to win game one, that meant that would be a game two would be a spot where Memphis would win because 
um, you know, at that point, if you lose both games at home to start a series, it becomes very difficult. Um, it becomes very difficult to then turn around and win the series. Um, it's not something that happens often, but it does happen, and you know, it, it, it becomes pretty difficult at that point. Um, now, I think the way this is headed, and it's now Golden State wins both of these home games, you know, coming up games three and four, I, I would expect that. I think they're the better team. I would expect that. Although I do think Golden Memphis can hang. Memphis can hang. Jock can put up big numbers. The athleticism definitely gives Golden State problems, and that's what makes this series, you know, kind of interesting. And I think it's certainly the more competitive West series. Um, and I could definitely see at that point Memphis, you know, maybe in a game five, they could, you know, potentially, um, you know, you know, win, win that at home to extend the series, and then Golden State could close out in six. So I think Warriors in six for this one is actually pretty spot on. Um, I think I did a good job nailing that one. Um, I think that's a good good spot where, where you know, with where both teams are. I, I, I do think the Gary Payton loss um, will hurt Golden State. He was kind of a guy they were using, um, you know, as a defensive specialist in the backcourt to help guard Ja. And so that could kind of help help jaw a little bit get you know get going even more obviously 47 the last game you know putting up huge numbers it could you know help him repeat that performance but um golden state is a deep team though um they don't necessarily have like excuse me they don't have like a pure point guard on the roster but you look at their guard depth in general and it's like you know with a guy like pool jordan pool coming off your bench you're going to be in pretty good shape so um I still think, at the end of the day, um, Golden State's in a decent spot. You know, Game 2 was what it was. It was a game where, you know, Memphis was going to be pretty dead in this series if they didn't come back and win that game, so they did. And now as the series shifts to Golden State, I, I think Golden State's going to, you know, have a pretty good chance to win both these next two games, and then we'll uh, we'll go forward with them you know, advancing to the conference finals. Now, next up, let's go to Dallas and Phoenix. I think this series is, I'm not going to say it's over in that it may not be a sweep, but I don't see this going past five games. Um, I mean, Phoenix, it is just, at the end of the day, Dallas is... I think Dallas is a good team. Obviously, Luka Doncic is a great, great player. They have, um, you know, they, they, they've been they were good defensively this season. They were good. Uh, obviously, Luka is a guy who can really carry your offense. Jalen Brunson has taken a step this year. Um, that Dinwiddie and, and Bertans helped. Their roster after the trade deadline made them a little bit deeper. Um, what I'll say is this: this is this series is why the Phoenix Suns are so so special, and why I still think as of right now they are going to be the team that represents the Western Conference in the finals. 
A lot of people have jumped on the Warriors. I still am a Phoenix backer. I think Phoenix is the best team here. And um, I think Phoenix is the best team in this conference. And um, this is why they're so special. Because Chris Paul is such a basketball genius. Like, Dallas is trying everything at him. You know, with those, with those pick and rolls that he runs. They were blitzing him. They were playing drop. They were... Um, they were trying to switch. They were doing some zone. I mean, they were trying all sorts of different things, and it just didn't really matter. Um, they found that they just continue to find the right mismatch, make the make the basketball, make the right basketball play, and they just did their thing. And um, you know, it, it's a tough series for for Dallas, obviously. You're coming off a matchup with, and this just shows how bad the Utah Jazz are. I mean, I have been on this for a while. Um, the Utah Jazz are just not a good basketball team. Um, and that was very much exposed in the first round. You know, obviously Dallas went managing to win, get a series lead in that without Luka. Um, pretty embarrassing stuff. Um you know, for you know, from Utah, and obviously for Dallas, like you've grown in this series, especially a guy like Jalen Brunson who was going off. You know, against a you know that awful perimeter defense. Like now you're coming into a series against the Phoenix, and it's just like it's just a different level of competition. I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, we'll get to that, but they had the same thing in Game One. Um, you know, you're going from a team that just can't really stop anybody to a team that's all of a sudden really good on defense and just really plays at kind of a championship level of basketball and it's just a it's just such a shock to you. So that's been a problem for the Mavs in the series. And then Phoenix is just, you know, Dallas might be a good defensive team, but Phoenix, you know, Luca is not a great defender and Phoenix is just hunting it. They're trying to wear him down. And I think if there's an adjustment to be made for Dallas, it's gonna be you know, maybe early in the game, maybe don't put so much of your offense on Luca. Maybe have Brunson do a little bit. Maybe have, um, maybe I didn't want to do a little bit more. Maybe just put some of the offense in some of these other, in, in the hands of some of these other guys, and, um, and 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 then hope that Luca's a little bit fresher in the fourth quarter and can bring it home. Um, I think that's your because he is putting up big numbers in the series. I think that's your hope if you are. Um, because that game last night was was pretty close going into the second half and going into the latter stages of the game, but Phoenix in the fourth quarter just ripped it away and just raced to a to a win. And they're so good in the clutch too. They're so good in fourth quarters. They know what to do. They've been there before. Um, so I think Dallas can get Luca can go off in one of these games in Dallas and they can win. But I have a hard time seeing this go past five. The Suns. I mean, and look, give respect to the New Orleans Pelicans. They made this Suns team earn it. I know they didn't have Booker for part of that series, for a big part of that series, but, like, they took two games off them, and they made the, the, the Suns really sweat. I mean, so so this makes the Pelicans look really good. Um, and it shows what a bright future that team might have going forward. Um, but that that's kind of where that goes. I have a hard time. I think, again, I think... Suns and five was still a pretty accurate read of where that series is going. Um, 
Uh, so let's just real quickly, because we have to, let's just do Philadelphia, Miami. I don't think there's really anything you can really take out of this series. Like, it's really such a shame, you know, from a basketball standpoint, because if Joel Embiid were healthy and playing, I think this would have been a really fun, compelling matchup. Um, and, and I think it would have been a long series. I think it would have been a, a, a very entertaining series. And I think it's very sad that it turned out the way it did. And Embiid did suffer those injuries. And, and we're not going to get that. I think that's it's really just uh, a sad state of events. And it means that really all Miami, you know, they're put in a position now where all they really had to do to get to the um, conference finals um, was beat an eight seed Atlanta team that you know was actually ninth in terms of regular season record and and won the two games in the play-in. Um, they had to beat beat them and you know, a, a team that was really flawed on defense, and and they had to uh, and, and now they have to beat this Philly team without Joel Embiid that um, you know what what playoff team would not be up. Um, 2-0 on, on this version of Philly right now. I mean, James Harden is clearly not that guy anymore. He's more of a, he's more of a playmaker now, more of a true point guard. You know, Maxie's a really good young ascending player, but like, I mean, most teams that made the playoffs this year, most maybe even most teams that made the play-in would be up, you know, over this, over this version of the Sixers right now. Joel Embiid is, you know, he should be, in my opinion, he should be the MVP this year. Um, he means everything to that team. And, you know, it's just not a fair fight. Like, it's just, and, and, and look, I think Miami is a good team, a very good team. I think they are a team you have to really respect what they can do. But at the same time, um, like, I do think Miami would have won the series, to be fair, even if Embiid were playing. But at the same time, like, you're watching them, and it's like you can't really take anything out of this. Like, you can't take away, oh my gosh, this is so impressive that Miami's doing this. Like, no. Like, let's just call it what it is. Miami's getting a free ride to the conference finals. Now, would they have made the conference finals anyway? I think there's a pretty good chance. But at the same time... You know, let's not act like Miami went out and really earned this, because it it has been they've gotten they've gotten some really really lucky breaks, and I mean you know the, at the end of the day they did get the number one seed, so they earned based on their regular season, they earned this bracket and they earned this path, and at the end of the day they are going to have home court in the conference finals. Now. Is that going to be the real conference finals, or is the real conference finals actually happening now? That's the thing. I do think, you know, again, Miami's a team you have to respect. But man, it's it would be really, really, really hard to see them beating either Milwaukee or Boston in the other series. That's just hard to see. Those are the two best teams in the... I mean, those teams may be the two best teams in the league. I mean, it, well, if Chris Middleton were out there too, obviously, but um, that's how good Milwaukee and Boston are. And this really is, to me, the de facto conference finals. Whoever wins this series, 
is going to make the finals and might, depending on who comes out of the West, might be my pick to win the championship. That's how good these teams are, Milwaukee and Boston. Um, and as far as that series goes, look, I think, um, I think game one, the, um, Celtics obviously game one, it was a bit of a shock for them. They, um, you know, they, they, they played those games against Brooklyn. They didn't really have to work to get good shots. They didn't really have to work to score because of how bad the Nets defense is. And then they, uh, they hit Milwaukee and a team that plays really good or has a really, um, really good defense, you know, really sound scheme, you know, at least in terms of stopping shots around the rim. Um, I'm not a huge fan of drop coverage in, in the playoffs. I, I think switching is typically a better scheme, which is, of course, what the Celtics do. But um, but I'll say this. The Bucks do run drop better than anyone. Um, they do really effectively. Giannis is so devastating as a help defender. And so it's really hard to get to the rim on them. And the Celtics felt that in Game 1. But they came back in Game 2. Shooting will cool off a little bit, but I think they had a better offensive approach, and I think that will carry over time in this as the series goes on. And you'll see probably somewhere in between game one and game two offensively for them. Um, and then as far as Milwaukee, I mean, the Celtics defense is it, it's sustainable, guys. Like people said in, in the in the Durant series, like, oh, they're not going to keep doing this to Durant, he's going to break out eventually. And he did in game four. He took a ton of shots to get there, but, you know, and they got swept. Like, they're making Giannis really earn everything. And it's hard for him to score right now, especially without a guy in Middleton to take the pressure off. I think the Bucks, as the series goes on, the Celtics' defense is going to be what carries the Celtics to a win in the series, I believe. And Giannis will have another game, probably. But... I mean, it's been consistently elite. It has been consistently championship caliber. It has been consistently dominant. And it's sustainable. I mean, it's sustainable that they can keep doing this. And I think Milwaukee's going to have trouble scoring. And I think at the end of the day, the Celtics might have a cold shoot. You might have another game where the Celtics have a cold shooting night and Giannis you know, does a little bit more and, and, and whatever. But... Um, I think because of how good the Celtics defense is, you have to give them the edge in this series. Because Giannis is the best player, and if they're limiting Giannis like that, the Celtics have the better team. So I think the Celtics got their dud out of the way. And this is trending towards that. So after that, we'll... So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and... Um, you know, kind of go over the championship outlook and, and who I think would have the best chance looking at it at this point. So we'll be back. So I am back, and let's continue with the episode. So, yeah, so let's get into the NBA, you know, just, just where we stand in terms of, you know, who's likely to come out of this whole thing. Um, 
I think there's four teams that you got to look at as of right now. One of them is guaranteed to be eliminated at the end of the second round. I think um, then you have another four that it's hard to see, but it goes in, you know, there's definitely levels to it. So, um, right now I would say at the bottom at number eight would be Philly. Um, like obviously without Embiid, you know, they're lucky they're going to get a game in this series against Miami. It's just really hard to see them. And even if they were full strength, like they weren't any kind of, you know, trendy championship pick, I think by this point, um, I think a lot of people thought they'd go down in the second round at best, they'd make the conference finals and lose. So that's, um, I think Philadelphia has to be at the bottom, um, their season is pretty much over. Um, number se- so, so, so then, so, so Philly's the least likely. Then you have, I have to say Dallas. Um, they're playing Phoenix. I think Dallas versus Memphis is an interesting debate in terms of like who you think is, you know, might be better. And those teams, if Golden State had lost one more game than the regular season, those teams actually would have played in the second round. So that would have been a really interesting matchup. And I actually think Dallas is an interesting question because I actually think Dallas in a series against Memphis, I'd probably pick them. Um, But given the way things are, Dallas having to play Phoenix and being down 2-0 right now, it's hard to see... Too much of a path for them at this point. Um, Luka Doncic is a great player, but at the same time, um, you know, they don't have that secondary. Like, like Jalen Brunson is a nice player, but, you know, against a team that's not the Utah Jazz, you know, he's clearly not having the same level of impact. And it's just, uh, it's hard to see them, you know, having much of a chance to come out of the series, so... Um, I think, uh, Dallas would have to be the second to the bottom on that, on that list. The only reason, you know, the, the thing that puts them above Philly is just the fact that at least they have their team and they have Luca and, um, it's not a Philly situation where, um, like Philly would not be at the bottom if Embiid were healthy, obviously, but because it, it is the way it is, he, they, they have to be considered the least likely team to win the title right now. So, um. So those are the bottom two. And then third from the bottom at number six, we'll go with Memphis. A um, couple things going for Memphis that, you know, I think ranking Dallas and Memphis, you know, might might be tough in some ways because I actually think Dallas might be a better team. But a couple things Memphis just has going for them. Um, the fact that they have home court in this series against Golden State. It's tied one-to-one. So I guess technically they don't have home court anymore but in the series, but they do have um but they do have they, they will play more home games in this series than road games. Um so they have that going with them. I still think they're underdogs to win the series, but at least they're still 
Um, you know, they're still, you know, it's 1-1. I mean, so it's not like they can't. I don't expect them to win the series, but it's not like they can't, right? And um, the other interesting thing here with Memphis, again, I think if Memphis were to shock Golden State, they'd be going into a series against Phoenix, the team that I think is better, you know, a good, good bit better than them that would have home court in the series. So winning the conference is going to be really tough for Memphis. But the interesting thing with Memphis is they'd actually have home court against in any potential finals matchup. So they have that going for them too. So they have some interesting things going for them, but at the end of the day, the actual team that's on the floor, I have a hard time seeing it get past Golden State. And um, Again, it's just a lot on... They have a deep team... But a lot, so much is on jaw that at a certain point, like, this is just a young team that, um, I mean, heck, there's plenty of room for player development here. Like, if Desmond Bain becomes a star, like, he's obviously in contention for most improved this year. You know, probably should have been either him or, or Jordan Poole that won. Or possibly Tyrese Maxey or... Um, Robert Williams, one of those players should have won. Um, I'd actually probably go with Maxi, but I mean, Bain is a better choice than you know voting for Jaw, who was already a star. Um, it's uh, so I mean, and Jaron Jackson's such a great like, like. There's plenty of talent on this team. If there's some little bit of more development, I would say, like, and it's hard, it's just a young team and it's hard to see them, you know, beating this, uh, you know, really veteran talented Golden State team that executes so well. So, but, you know, again, credit to Memphis, they are going to make this interesting, but, um, so they get to hang around at number six. Then we start getting into the real interesting picks here. Number five, in terms of who is most likely to win the title this year, I'm going to go with Miami. I can't really have Miami any lower than five because um, because they're going to make the conference finals. It's just hard to have them lower than number five if they're going to be in the conference finals. Um now, I see them losing the conference finals, but they're going to be in the conference finals. That That's just the way it is. I think they'll be heavy underdogs, or should be, against either Boston or Milwaukee. But they're going to be in the series. And if whoever wins Boston-Milwaukee has an ill-timed injury, like the Sixers had with Joel Embiid, then all of a sudden they're in the finals, and anything can happen. So that's the thing with Miami. Like, you get yourself in in that spot and anything can happen. We've seen it plenty of times. So, Miami can't be any lower than number five. Um, even though I, I, I would be shocked if they won the conference. Now number four is when we start to get into the real interesting ones. Number four, we have 
Milwaukee. And again, these top four are who I think the real championship contenders are. Like, it would not shock me if the Milwaukee Bucks repeated as champions. However, and look, it's a competitive series with Boston. It's 1-1. It's just my opinion is, without Chris Middleton, I think with the way the Celtics have been able to limit Giannis so far, I think it's going to be hard for the Bucks to win 4 out of 7 in this series. I think it's just going to be hard. I think the Celtics are the better team. I think we saw, I think game two is more indicative of how, again, with some level of cool down shooting for Boston, I just think game two is a more accurate indicator of what is to come in this series with the way the Celtics have been able to defend against Giannis. And I have a hard time without Chris Middleton I have a hard time seeing Milwaukee win this series, winning this series. But if Milwaukee did win this series and was able to get by Boston, and it is possible, it is very possible, they'd likely be getting Chris Middleton back sometime in the conference finals. They'd be favorites for sure, probably heavy favorites over the Heat in the conference finals. And then they'd get to the finals... They'd play Phoenix or Golden State, most likely. And you'd have to give them, again, with Giannis being the best player in the league, you'd have to give them a real great chance to win either of those. You know, they... I think Golden State... And it's weird. So, it's a weird one. I actually think... If you are the Bucks. I think you match up better with the Suns and worse with Golden State. And the reason why, because Golden State has Draymond Green. And Draymond Green is a real interesting it'd be real interesting to see him match up with Giannis. Um whereas Phoenix, I don't really know they have anybody great to guard Giannis. So that is um, you know, that, that's a thing, that's a thing there. And then for Boston, who we'll get to, I actually think they would rather see the Warriors than the Suns. Um, they've done, they've done really well against Golden State over the years. I mean, you go back to them, um, when Golden State had the long home win streak and the Celtics were the team to snap it. They play great games every regular season. Uh, I feel like the the Celtics have had the Warriors number here for a while. It's a it's a finals. It would be fitting if that was the finals. I think it's a series that, you know, we've kind of lost the opportunity to have multiple times now. I think 2018. Obviously, we were very close to having that series. Uh, 2019. Um, you know, some things happened on the Boston side that that prevented it. 20. Well, after that, the after twenty nineteen, the Warriors kind of, you know, you know, they kind of broke up a little bit and in, into a couple of uh, down years, and then they're back this year. But um, it, it's uh, but 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 I think um, yeah. So I think we'll walk for Milwaukee. Like, you get past this series, and you have a great chance to repeat. The problem is getting past the series. 
In fact, if Milwaukee, I'll say this, if Milwaukee were to win this series, then you'd have to put them, at least from an odd standpoint, right? If you're looking at like betting odds, I think you, if Milwaukee gets past Boston, you would have to have them as the favorite just because they get Miami, who I think they'll, you know, they would beat for sure. And then Phoenix and Golden State duking it out in the West. Like, you would have to, you know, even if you don't think, well, even if you would maybe pick Golden State or Phoenix, you would have to give Milwaukee the best chance. So I think Milwaukee's going to have um, a really nice chance to repeat if they get past Boston. The problem is, I don't think they're getting past Boston. I think without Middleton, it is going to be too tall of an order. So, number three, we're going to go with Golden State. Um, look, the Warriors are really good, man. Like, but here is the problem. I still don't think they're as good as the Suns. I have not been swayed off of that. Um, it, but it will be a fantastic... I'll say this. It will be a fantastic series. I do give Golden State a chance. But I just think the Suns at the end of the day are better. Um, it's a Warriors team that's been there, done that. Group knows how to play together. Jordan Poole has given them you know, a real spark. I do wonder couple couple red flags with Golden State. Their new death lineup, the one with uh Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond is not great defensively. And you know, it's hard to stop, but against the right team. Like, let's say Boston. Let's say they play Boston in the finals. Like, Boston's going to be able to stay big when they play them. Because Boston's bigs can come up and defend guards on switches. And that's going to make it real hard for a Golden State team that does not get much out of its front court. Um, Beyond Draymond Green. So... Look, the Warriors are really good, and uh, and the other thing is that um, I mean, it's been you know you know again, Golden State is. A, uh, what am I trying to say here? They're they're a, you know they're a real threat here. It's hard to say that they're not, but. I, I think at the end of the day, they just have more flaws than Phoenix. They just, they, you know, they just have more flaws. So I think, I think the best chance the Warriors would have to win that series would be, they're just going to have to be have a lights out shooting series. And we know what those three guards are capable of shooting, but they are going to have to shoot the lights out. They are going to have to hit everything. Steph, Clay, Poole, those guys are going to have to outplay everything. And they're really going to have to outplay 
Chris Paul and Devin Booker by a decent amount because I'm pretty sure that Phoenix's front court is going to outplay Golden State's. And again, the backcourt is a strength for both teams, but Phoenix is a lot more balanced. Phoenix can beat you a lot. You know, a big part of how you win in the playoffs is I think you've got to be able to play a lot of different ways and while also having an identity. Golden State, I don't know if... I don't know how well they're going to do playing like a um, a grind it out. I, I, obviously, Draymond can play that type of basketball, but like they're just more of a of a running gun, high scoring, you know, sh- team that wants to get shootouts. And I just think Phoenix is a lot more versatile. Like they can play that way. They can also. They also have a great defense in Granada. And Golden State has a great defense, too. I just think they're a little bit limited in the front court other than Raymond. I think um, unless Kavon Looney really steps up, you're going to be looking at a lot of you know, these Draymond at center lineups, potentially, or, or, or guys like Bailitza, or like... I don't know. So... You know, I, I definitely think DeAndre Ayton could really eat in, in in that Golden State matchup. And um, so, it, again, I would not pick Golden State to win the West, but I do think it will be a great series if we get there. And so, again, if they're that close, I have to put them number three. And then we, we're going to get into my two finals teams. The team I project to make the finals and lose is the Phoenix Suns. I, Phoenix, at the end of the day, look, they were awesome this year. They truly were. They were the best team this regular season by a good bit. They don't really have a whole lot of weaknesses. I guess the only weakness with, with Phoenix is, um, you know, do they they don't have a top five player. But at the end of the day, I think you, with how well this team executes, how well they're coached, how well Chris Paul runs the team, how great Chris Paul still is, how great Devin Booker is, the fact that Michael Bridges is uh, you know def- worthy Defensive Player of the Year candidate, um, DeAndre Ayton in the front court, like crowd, like the right vets and and, and a guy like, guy like Crowder and um, JaVale McGee, um, you know has done well there, like Cam Johnson off the bench, like they've got um, they've got a real real good team, man, and. Um, they were so good in the clutch this year. It's almost like you have to blow out the Suns because if you get in a close game with them, they're going to out-execute you. Chris Paul is going to find the weakness in, in, in your defense like he, ha- like he has with, with a really good Mavs defense you know, in this series. And um, Golden State is a team that you know if, they, if they're going to play that three-guard lineup a good bit, you know, Golden State's a team that that has enough weaknesses where a guy like Chris Paul can, you know, start to pick at him. So, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk at all. I think Warrior Suns is going to be a great series. I would lean Phoenix, so I have them number two, and then I would have them. I, I, and then here's my thing. Obviously, there's one team left, and it's Boston. Spoiler alert: they're number one. If you get into the finals. With Phoenix playing in Boston, again we were talking about Chris Paul, you know, finding the the weakness in the defense, finding these mismatches as he as he runs his team. And 
The problem is Boston don't really have any of those. And that's why they're they're my championship favorite right now. I know they're in this tough series with the Bucks, man, but this is this is just such a good team from top to bottom. They are the best defensive team I have seen in my time watching basketball. They're that good. They are that special on that end of the floor. I mean, you've got a defensive player of the year. Finally, he finally won. He finally won. Marcus Smart finally won the long-deserved Defensive Player of the Year award. He's deserved this for a while. I'm personally so happy for him. Um, This is just a well-deserved award. I think he's been stubbed a little bit in the past. I think guards in general get stubbed for this award. Um, I'm just so happy for Marcus Smart. He really deserved this, man. Like, like he really, really deserved this. Um, so I'm just really happy for him. But, um, you know, you've got him spearheading things at the point guard spot. You've got just length and, and really good, you know, defensive line everywhere. Brown, Tatum, Horford. And then Time Lord is going to win a defensive player of the year of his own someday. And, the, and, you know, you've just got elite defensive talent just everywhere on this roster. Um Derek White and, and Grant Williams off the bench. Like, look at how well Grant Williams has defended Giannis. I mean, he's Grant Williams this season, the leap he's taken, it doesn't get talked about enough. He's like PJ Tucker, but better. Um, he's like a better version of PJ Tucker. He is a better shooter than PJ Tucker is, and, and he's just as good of a defender. It's really incredible. And then, you know, Pritchard's probably the weak link, but like he can hold his own. I mean, this defense is just so fantastic. And, um, the way they've, sh- they, they handled Durant in round one, the way they have handled Giannis so far in this series, um, is really incredible. And, you know, you get past this series, assuming, assuming Boston can hack, you know, can, can, can pull this out, which is not a given. But I think they should be favored. I think they're the better team. I mean, you'd be looking at Miami. I mean, I, Miami is definitely, um, you know, at, at that point, you know, if you've gotten through Milwaukee, you can definitely handle Miami. That's not going to be, you know, I mean, if you got through KD and Giannis, like, you know, you're not going to be worried about about Jimmy Butler on that on that to that degree. So, um, Miami's just not as dangerous as an offensive team is the teams they've already played so it's just like this defense is only going to have a chance to be to impress more and more um you know down the line here and um i think if they get in the in the finals with which if they get in past the series they're going to make the finals if they get in the finals with phoenix um it's going to be a heck of a matchup it's really just going to be back and forth heck of a matchup but i think at the end of the day this defense is special, and it's, you know, as bankable of a thing as, as we have in this playoffs right now um, is the fact that the Boston Celtics are going to lock you down. And they are going to, you know, make it hard, really hard on your best player. And, um, it, you know, it's just, you know, with the leap the offense has taken to to complement that with Tatum you know, really turning into, you know, borderline top five player. Um, Jalen Brown being as good as he is, like, 
and then the role guys like you know again shooting is is something that a lot of people talk about the Celtics needing but like I think they've you know a guy like Grant Williams being so automatic these days from the corner like like that those are the sorts of you know leaps within this roster that have helped make this team the the title favorite that it is um because some of those, you know, some of those issues that we've talked about with this team in terms of like, you know, especially shooting is a big one. Like, the only player that I'm really concerned about shooting wise is is Derek White, but I feel like if it becomes that big of a problem with with White, um, you do have Peyton Pritchard there, and I think you could go to a seven man rotation if you needed to. Um, you'd prefer to keep it at eight just to keep everybody a little bit fresher, but if you needed to go to seven, you could. And um, Pritchard has largely played well this postseason, and he could step in if if that becomes a. But hopefully, it doesn't because White does add a lot of other things. This team is needed. He's a connector. He moves the ball. He plays great defense. All those sorts of things. So he's really been a good pickup for this team. Um, we'll see if it's a series for him. You know, with with Marcus Smart coming back in Game Three, this Milwaukee series, it might not be the series for him. His minutes might get cut a little bit, but um, I mean, I and, and then you look at it too, and you know, if Boston gets past this round with Giannis, then I think you have to start to ask yourself, you know, you could argue Steph. Steph would be the guy, but other than Steph, then I think you can start to argue too that Tatum is the best player left in the field between the four teams that would be remaining. I think you can argue that Tatum would be the best player. And that's another thing that um that can help you know, that can really help a team. Like like it's not as important as it used to be to have the best player in a series. There are enough other things these days that the league is deep enough talent wise where it's easier, I think, to make up for that. But I do think having the best player in the series is a real significant advantage. It's why this Bucks series is going to be competitive when it probably, without Middleton, probably otherwise wouldn't have been. If Giannis was not the best player in basketball, this would not be a competitive series. But he is. So it's competitive. Just because Giannis is that good. Um, you know, obviously KD, I mean... The, the the Nets would not have even been in the playoffs if it weren't for KD, um, you know, trying to put them on his back. So, um, and, and and I think Tat- I think that's an interesting one because I do think Tatum, you know, very much outplayed him in that series to the degree that I think you have to. And, and look, KD, you know, a lot of people had well, KD is the best player in the league takes after last season. I said it was Giannis after he won the title. Well, you know, I think you have to start to look at it now. Like, you know, KD is getting a little bit older. And, you know, I think Tatum's kind of taken the torch. You know, the torch has been passed there. Like, Tatum is better than KD. Um, so, I think that's the truth. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think... You have to look at the Celtics team, and obviously the job Udoka has done as as the head coach. It's really been impressive, and I think you have to look at this team as, um, again, a really hard road to get here. Like you know, not going to be easy to get past Milwaukee, but um, 
I think they're the best team we have in these playoffs, and I think they're going to win the championship. I really do. Um, I think this is their year. A lot has lined up for them, and um, I think, again, I don't think it's automatic at all. That's what's so fun about the league now. Like It's not like, oh, the Warriors are just going to walk to a title. They're just going to walk to two titles in a row, and it's not even going to be competitive or interesting. Like It's not like that anymore. We have a lot of teams that are good. We don't have anyone that's like, like the Suns are really good, We're really good all season, but no one got the sense from them like, oh, this team can't be beat. Celtics, second half of the season. I think it's the same thing. Like you did see, and they've answered some of those criticisms, but you did see a few things like with the crunch time, you know, what's their crunch time offense going to be like, you know, oh, they had all these blown leads early in the season, not going to come into play again. Like, um, you know, no one just got the sense that anyone would just be overwhelmingly dominant. I think that makes it more fun. So, like, again, it's, in my opinion, but I do think, especially with those top four, you could put those in any order, and I don't think you'd be crazy. Um, I think all four of those teams are really good. Um, I think if you started to try to argue, you know, Miami or, or someone like that is, um, you know, in that group, I think then you'd start to kind of hit a point where you'd be a little bit crazy, but, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. So, um, but anyway, I think I've covered the NBA stuff enough. We're going to hit the draft, the NFL draft real quick. Um, Kind of a, not the most interesting draft in the world, I'll admit. It was interesting in some ways because we had a lot of intrigue at the top. We didn't know who was going to go where, like we might in most years, but at the same time with with no real good quarterbacks, it was um, not the most, uh, you know, it was not the craziest draft that way. So I just want to kind of give like like real quick. Um, I kind of want to give some teams I liked what they did and some teams I didn't like what they did. So one team I liked what they did was, and I'm trying going to try to give three of each. So for so we'll start with um, positivity, and we're going to say Baltimore. Um, I think they absolutely robbed the Arizona Cardinals with the Hollywood Brown trade. I think they drafted two players that, you know, probably should have gone earlier than uh than they were picked. Kyle Hamilton, I think, is a home run at number fourteen. Um he's just gonna do so many things for them and I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal pick. They really added a star, potential star to their defense. Um Tyler Linderbaum, the center that they took with the Hollywood Brown pick, I don't think I don't think that was as good of a pick as, as Hamilton, but it was still pretty good. Like he was the best center on the board. Rock solid, rock solid pick. Um he's gonna be a really good player for them. Um You know, I, I, again they it, especially with a Baltimore team that runs the ball like they do to add to that offensive line, I think is, um, it, it, you know, is was not a bad idea at all. So, um, I do think that pick will uh, will end up being a good one. I think Linderbaum will be a really good pro. Um, and then and then after that, it's just you know they kept getting these players. 
you know, really early. Like, you know, you, you know, they should have gone way earlier. I, I, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, what I'm trying to say, they, they got all these players that should have, you know, they should have gone way before the Ravens picked them, and but they're there for the Ravens. And David Ajabo is another one, a guy who fell because of an injury, but when he went healthy, he's a dynamic pass rusher. And they add him to bookend with Adafi Owe, and, and you've got a really good young pass rush now in Baltimore. Um, the lineman um, Jones, the interior, interior defensive lineman, like he could replace Calais Campbell eventually, and he should have gone in the second round, and they got him in the third. Like, um, it was really impressive. Uh, really impressive. I thought they took a couple tight ends. You know, there's a team that likes to, you know, that likes to involve tight ends with with the running game. Um, they took a punter, which was interesting, um, with Sam Cook getting up there in age. You'd figure that, that this is going to be it for Cook. Um, and, uh, and then I'm just trying to think, you know, they took a couple defensive backs. It's always a good spot. Jalen Armour Davis is a guy, you know, a pick I really liked in the fourth round when they got him, um. Trying to think, where else did they? Uh... Oh, the the right tackle, um, Daniel Falele, um, I believe his name is. I mean, that's a heck of a pick too for a, a run based offense like the Ravens. You know, such a big physical player there that if he develops, he could be uh, a really talented, a really talented player for the Ravens. Um. So, yeah, I really like the Ravens draft. I think they knocked it out of the park, and I expect a bounce-back season from them this year. Lamar Jackson is going to be healthy. Their running backs are going to be healthy. Their, you know, the, some of their defense is going to be get healthy again. Like They're going to be a really talented uh, a really talented and, and intimidating opponent to have to play this season. Um, definitely expect them in the playoffs next. Even in a tough AFC, definitely expect them to crack the playoff field. So then we have, um, I also really like the Eagles draft. Um, Jordan Davis is one of my favorite prospects in the whole draft, and for them to get him in number 13, trade up a little bit to get him at number 13, I think was just terrific. Um, really, really, really well done by the Eagles. Um, he fills, you know, he fills a need for them in the middle of their defense. Um, and, I, and I do think they needed to get, you know, you know, add some help on defense with each other. Like they probably needed more than they did, to be honest. Um, if it were me, and this is my only criticism with it, if it were me, I might have held on to that second first-round pick and drafted Trent McDuffie and not worried about wide receiver quite so much, but... You know, they did what they did, and I do think, um, I mean, I think they, you know, they'll have chances down the line, if, especially if Jalen Hurts works out long-term at quarterback. Um, I think they'll have chances down the line to upgrade that defense. Um, but, you know, to get Jordan Davis where they did, I thought was terrific. Um and they did sign Hassan Reddick to upgrade the pass rush, so I think they will improve in that department. Um, and so, 
yeah, again, Jordan Davis, one of my favorite prospects in the whole draft. Um, you know, and, and then to trade for AJ Brown, that was kind of the one that um, it, it's conflicting because I do think for Philadelphia in particular, this move might make some sense because they've struggled to draft wide receivers. Um, you know, obviously you've got you know a guy like JJ Arcega Whiteside who was a second round whiff. You've got a guy like um, Jalen Ragor who was a first round whiff, and they drafted him. You know, right ahead of Justin Jefferson, which is just very painful for if you're an Eagles fan. But um, with the way that's turned out, but uh, you know, you can't go back and change things, so you just gotta you know worry about things going forward. And um, so, so they just said, you know, after it looks like they hit on Devontae Smith last year, so you know now they've kind of just said, well, okay. Um, you know, we have a chance here to get a young 24-year-old, uh, you know, really good uh, young receiver in A.J. Brown, who's a, num- who's a real number one. So we're going to go out and do it. That's kind of what uh, Philadelphia decided to do there with their second first-round pick. And, um, you know, again, if it were me, I'd probably look at it like, you know, hey, I'd want, you know, in a perfect world, I'd want the young, cost-controlled, rookie-deal wide receiver, especially with how many wide receivers come into the league these days out of the draft. It seems like every year, you know, it's, oh, this class is stacked with wide receivers, and I don't think that's going to change. That's where a lot of the best athletes are going these days. Um, That's not going to change, and you're going to see teams, you know, continue to really spend, you know, do a lot to try to get these guys, too. It's you know, we're at an inflection point with how the wide receiver position is valued because some teams are clearly willing to pay wide receivers darn near quarterback money. And then some teams are saying, you know, we'd rather not. We'd rather just get an asset and then figure something else out of the position. So, but, um, you know, I do think A.J. Brown is going to be really good for the Eagles. And it is, you know, again, even though, you know, I might have my own personal preference on it. Like, at the end of the day, you know, they got A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis. Those are going to be two foundational pieces for the Eagles. Um, so it's hard to really knock it too much, um, especially, again, they already got Davis, one of my favorite prospects out there, and then they got a, a stud young wide receiver. So um, I definitely I definitely get it. Um, and then... You know, they drafted in the second round. They get the air air to to um to Kelsey at center. And then in third round, they got Nakobe Dean, who was widely projected to be a first rounder. There's some medical stuff going on with him, but it sounds like he's going to be, you know, out there playing. And and it sounds a little bit overblown to me. I don't know. I think the Eagles got quite a steal. And, um, again, for a team that doesn't really draft linebackers high in the draft, I think this is a really good way for them to upgrade that position. Um, they did not spend a first-round pick. They only had to spend a third-round pick. But I think they potentially drafted a long-time starter in the third round. So, um, I think that, that could be a pick that really works well for Philly and to being great value down the line. Um, it was really good, really good work by the Eagles. Uh, 
with that. So so just getting those pieces there. I think it was a really impressive draft uh, by Philly. Um, another team that I think uh, I'm, I'm going to give some love to is the Detroit Lions. Um, and this is a team that has been rebuilding for a couple of years now, but I, I have to say, I think their rebuild is trending in the right direction. Now, eventually they're going to have to swing on a quarterback. And that's going to be the tough part. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because I think there is, with the veterans, even with some of the veterans that are out there right now, like yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, like, you know, those guys are better than Jared Goff. If they really wanted to swing spend the money and swing on one of those guys, like, you know, then they might have their guy, you know, believe it or not. So it'll be interesting to see because I don't think they're going to be quite bad enough next year to go really and get one of those top couple of quarterbacks. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, if you're Detroit, what how you want to approach things at that position going forward? Because I don't think Jared Goff is Jared Goff's not like the worst quarterback in the league, but he's definitely not going to be the guy there long term. Um, he he he's definitely one of those. I think Jared Goff's future in the league is definitely one of those, um, you know, bridge starter you know, high-end backup types. I, I think that's really what he is. So, um, again, you can go with him for another season, but they will have to get that quarterback, especially next after next year when Goff's contract, you know, the guarantees stop. You, you're going to have to, they're going to have to look at quarterback, and they're going to have to look at what they can do with that position. Um, you know, they'll have an, an and then next year too. Next year is going to be a huge year for this Detroit franchise because the golf guarantees stop, and it's going to be the last year where they have uh, where they have two first round picks. The second and you know first round pick that they get from the uh, Rams does uh, does convey next year, and then the, that obligation stops. So they're going to have to look at that. Um, but, um, I do think this Detroit team is moving in the right direction. I think they're adding, you know, enough players now so that when they do swing on a quarterback, um, but, you know, the Detroit's gotten to a point where, um, you know, when they do add a quarterback, they're going to have an infrastructure. They're, they, they, they're going to have a line. They worked on the line in the draft last year. Um, they're going to have, you know, and, and now they've taken it to the point this year where um, they, they didn't have, you know, weapons last year. They had a, one of the worst receiving cores in the league. You know, a couple of guys did step up, like, um, Amon Ross St. Brown, a fourth round pick from last year, uh, did, you know, step up and, and, and really looks like a draft steal now as a slot guy. Um, but they really didn't have much on the outside. I mean, there's this guy, Quintez Cephas, I believe his name was. 
and he played big minutes. Like, you know, the, the wide receivers they signed that were supposed to be the starters ended up getting cut. I mean, it was really kind of a mess. So, um, but that's the position now they started building up this year. They signed, uh, you know, they got a, a Monroe St. Brown on a rookie deal. Um, is the slot option going forward. They signed DJ Chark to a one-year deal, which I really liked. I really liked him as a free agent because he's young. He's coming from a team in Jacksonville that wasn't very good. Um, you know, maybe didn't know how to use him best. And, and I think I thought he was a really interesting, you know, potential addition for somebody as a free agent. Um, and he's still young, so there's some upside left. And, um, you know, then they go into the draft and they get Jamison Williams who I think, you know, him and Chris Olave, who went number 11, were probably the best two receivers in the draft. Um, Williams, the fourth receiver taken, and I, I think it was a good deal for Detroit. Like, it was a good, aggressive move. Um, didn't cost them, like, you know, a future one or anything, which to hop from 32 to 12, I think, in a lot of cases, would have... You know, and a lot of drafts would cost you that. Um, it would cost you a future one to make that kind of move, but um, you know, they manage it with you know just moving back in the second round and then giving up their third. So they find a way, you know, a creative way to really hop up and get another elite talent and one that when they do get that next quarterback is really going to help them because they can take it easy with Williams this season, let him get over the torn ACL, and then get him back and really start to go. So. I really liked um, that move for the Lions. And then, you know, they did the simple thing at the top, right? Um, Aiden Hutchinson was the best player in the draft. Detroit needed a pass rusher. He's from Michigan. And, you know, he fell in their lap. And whether he should have, you know, we'll get to the team that drafted number one, spoiler alert, but, you know, Again, Hutchinson, you know, the fact that he was there, it was such an easy pick, and Detroit did the easy thing, and they did the right thing, and um, they did what they should have done, which was, um, you know, they just sat there and drafted Aiden Hutchinson, and, and I think he's going to be a, a really great player for the Detroit defense. It could be a foundational piece for them on that side of the ball. So um, I thought Detroit had a really good draft, and I think that's definitely a team that's on the upswing. Like, you know, I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year, but in a weak NFC, I think they'll show real improvement. And um, and then with the right quarterback, I think in the following year, they could push for the playoffs. So now let's go into three teams that I don't think... Um, I don't think drafted very well, um, <laughs> to, be, to be blunt. Uh, number one, um, I'm going to start by talking about the team that drafted number one overall. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, look, at the end of the day, if you screw up the number one overall pick, you're going to end up on, you know, on this side of, of the coin when it comes to the draft. And I think the Jags screwed up the number one overall pick. Um, I think they... Number one... So they drafted defensive end Trevon Walker. So number one... The number one problem is I th I think the Jaguars did not draft the best pass rusher on the board. I think they would have been better off drafting um 
Certainly Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson would have been a better pass rusher to take. Also, if they wanted the um the option with, you know, quote unquote more physical tools, you know, they probably um would have been better off going with uh with Thibodeau, who went number five, rather than Trevon Walker. Um and then also I think whether that position was the one to target is also a very fair question. Now, we didn't have any offensive linemen go in the top five, so it's a little bit harder to say. But I really do think, you know, right, if you're the Jaguars and you have this, you know, your your hope, all of your hope for you going forward is tied into Trevor Lawrence and how great Trevor Lawrence could be at quarterback. Rough rookie season, a lot of it beyond his control, but you've got to get him back on track. I think Doug Peterson is is the right is potentially the right coach to do that, but it's hard to imagine. Um, look, it's hard to you know you're going to need pieces around Lawrence to help make him successful, and they they've taken some steps to add some pieces. Obviously, the Christian Kirk contract was horrible, but. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they did go out and um, and try to try to add some players. They signed Cam Robinson to an extension at offensive tackle, but um, you know, it, it's just hard to see how spending an you know not spending this pick on an offensive lineman is is a good move. This should have been a lineman to me. You you could have. You know, Robinson's a guy who could have played the right side. You could have moved to the right, right, right tackle offensive guard. You could have done all sorts of different things. At the end of the day, when you're when all of your hopes and dreams lie on the right arm of Trevor Lawrence, you've got to make sure he stays upright. And I think you could have picked Aquonu. You could have picked Evan Neal. You might have even been able to pick Charles Cross, although it probably would have been Neal or Aquonu. You could have picked either of those guys, plopped them at left tackle, and not thought about it for a decade. And I just think that would have been the right move overtaking the pass rusher. I, I just think if you're the Jaguars, you, f- you figure out defense on another day. You've got to make sure Trevor Lawrence succeeds. And I think they failed him with how they conducted this draft. I mean, Devin Lloyd at number, t- they traded back in the first round to get him in number 27. It's a good pick. From a talent perspective, you know, he was a guy might have been able, you know, maybe should have gone a little bit higher. But linebacker, really, really, when you just signed um, Olakun from Atlanta, and you just um, and and then you also drafted uh, Chad Muma. In the third round, which is actually a pick I really liked from a talent perspective. I was interested in him for the Patriots, but um, you know, you, you know, I I just have to really question the positional need there. Like like the Jaguars should to me have been drafting offense, draft a lineman first, and then maybe maybe with a second pick, you can look at um, you know, I. I think that okay, so I think that pick you might have been able to better, but maybe that pick should have been the you know 
what they really should have done was they should have drafted the, the offensive tackle first, and then maybe with a second round pick, then maybe you, you, you dip back and do it and take a pass rusher if, if you think you need to improve that spot. Because that is an important spot in, in, in defenses, obviously. And um, the Jaguars probably had enough, you know, enough invested elsewhere on offense where, you know, drafting offense there, you know, they, they, they did sign a lot of receiver. And so other than the line, I don't know what you really go with there. So I don't know, but, um, and then, and, and then they did get a center. So they needed that. So, you know, I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, when you screw up number one overall, you know, I have to question the draft and I think the Jaguars did. I think there's, um, at least four players that I think they should have picked instead of, uh, that was Trevon Walker. So that's my opinion. Uh, next up, we have Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is very simple. They drafted a quarterback, which in the first round of this draft is a bad idea. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, they didn't just draft a quarterback. They they spent so they spent their first round pick on the third best quarterback in my view in this class. I think you would have been better off drafting Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter. They take Kenny Pickett, the local the local product out of University of Pittsburgh, who is close to a finished product, is really, you know, I think best case with him you're looking at um you know, I don't know, you're not looking at a top ten quarterback. And I think in these days in this NFL, I don't think you can spend a first round pick. There's, it's too easy to acquire a competent quarterback. You literally have Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield waiting, you know, for a team to trade for them right now without much in the way of landing spots. And those guys are better. You know, you, you know those guys are, you know. There's a pretty good chance that Kenny Pickett's not going to be as good as either one of those guys. Like, you know, you'll have him on the rookie contract. I guess there's that. But there's a good chance Kenny Pickett is not going to be as good as those guys. And, um... So it's just hard to, uh... Hard to see that being a good move for the Steelers. Like, you know... Kenny Pickett, if he meets his potential, he's probably still the the worst quarterback, starting quarterback in that division. You've got Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow in that division. Like Kenny Pickett is going to be worse than those guys, even if he pans out, even if he quote unquote pans out. Like, so I just think in this NFL, that's not worth a first round pick. Like, you need to think your quarterback has real potential. And I don't think Kenny Pickett does. Like he, he could be an okay starter at best, but this is not worth, you know, what they did. Um, like, he's just not going to be good enough, you know, in the, in the NFL. You know, you know, to be the quarterback that the Steelers would need if they really want to contend for anything. Um, if you're the Steelers, you would have been better, better off just riding with Mitch Trubisky for this year. You would have been better off um, going after Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, or you would have been better off just saying, "Okay, um, 
you know, you, you know, we want to draft a quarterback. We see the way the board is going. We see that these guys are all falling. So we could wait until the second round. You know, we, we might not have to reach on one. And they drafted the wrong guy. They would have been better off drafting Malik Willis, who's more raw, but at least Malik Willis has the physical tools that you get excited about. Or Desmond Ritter, who, um, you know, has some questions, but has also shown some really intriguing talent in college. So, I just think the Steelers screwed up the quarterback pick, and that's why they're going to be on this list for me. I think that was just a bad pick. Um, I do I, I do think, you know, they did well in the second round. George Pickens, um, wide receiver, guy with first-round talent. We know how good the Steelers are at drafting receivers, so I fully expect Pickens to become you know, a really, a really good player. Um, so I will say that, but, you know, when you, when you screw up on quarterback, it's hard for me to, uh, to put, you know, you know, to really like what you did. So I don't like what the Steelers did. Um, and this sucks to have to do, but I don't like what the Patriots did. Um, there's one thing I did not want them to do going into the draft. And that was to draft a guard. It was a self. It was a self-inflicted need. They did it to themselves by trading Shaq Mason. And um, look, I they traded down, which I liked. I liked that they traded down from twenty-one. But um, like, even when people were mocking Zion Johnson to us, for example, who went to the Chargers, I was just like, uh, "Can we not draft a guard?" Like. Because the thing is, we have needs at premium positions with the Patriots. They needed a corner. They needed a... You know, they could have used a wide receiver, which they did did draft. But I, well, I thought the wide receiver need was already filled. But they did... Uh, you know, they did end up drafting one. And it is a future spot on this team that you have to look at. And um, the, those positions... I don't think wide receiver is as important as corner, pass rusher, or, or left tackle. But, you know, you had to look at left tackle. And, and, and right tackle as well. You had to look at the tackle spots. If they drafted, you know, insurance for the tackle spots, I probably would have been happier than them drafting a guard because um, the tackle is a more premium position and there's, um, you know, you, that, that, that could have been something that really helped them if there was one on the board. Um, and, and corner is such an important position. And I'm worried about I'm worried about them there. Um, now, hopefully, there is a report that James Bradbury might be released. If they can sign James Bradbury, I would really um, be into that. I think that's the sort of move that I think could flip my perception of, of the offseason a little bit. Um, I think he's a good player, and I think that would make them. You know, he's not J.C. Jackson, but at least then, at the point, you could look at it and say, okay. You know, Bradbury is is fine, and they're deeper now. You can at least spin it, no, you know, in a certain way. Um, but um, and then linebacker as well. Like, I would have dra- rather draft linebacker is a position that it's weird because it's a position that Belichick values, like really values, and um. You know, so I would have rather had them draft a linebacker and a high tower, you know, replacement than than the guard. I mean, because the thing is, they've drafted guards so well in the middle to late rounds. Like Joe Tooney, third round. 
Ted Karras, I think, sixth round. Mike Unwenu, sixth round. Shaq Mason, fourth round. Um, David Andrews was undrafted. Like, you can just go on down the line, and it's just, you know, they do so well at finding guards later in the draft that you have to look at it and say, you know, do they really need to spend this premium resource on this position? Now, Cole Strange is going to be a good player for the Patriots. He will. I don't think he's going to be a bad player, but I think he was overdrafted, and I think they should have looked at another position. Um, then in the second round, uh, Tyquan Thornton. Um, I've started to see some real intrigue about this pick in recent days. A lot of people did not like the pick when it was made. I questioned it a little bit, too. They drafted him over guys like Pickens and um, Sky Moore, but... I do think they, you know, they saw that, okay, he's the fastest receiver in the draft. We need to add speed to our offense. And we think this guy can play. And I'm not sure they're they're wrong. Again, I think he might have been overdrafted a little bit. But um, I thought that was better than the first round pick. But still, you know, you at the end of the day, the Patriots went through the first two rounds and did not draft the defensive player when that was the main thing they needed out of this draft, which I think was not a good move by them. Um At least in the third and fourth round, I like those picks better. They started drafting corners, which was a huge need. Um, they drafted uh, Marcus Jones and... Um, what was the other one? Jack... Oh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Let me look this up. Shame on me. I'm a Patriots fan, and I literally can't remember what this guy's name is. Um, let me check here. I'm almost there. Oh, there we go. Okay. Oh, it is Jones. That's what I thought. Okay. I was going to say, did we draft two Joneses at corner? And we did. So, Marcus Jones and Jack Jones in, in round three and round four. Um, Marcus Jones is, is a guy who sounds like a nickelbacky type, and he uh, he can cover the slot well, and um, he's fast, he's good in the return game. He, he seems like an interesting pick, and then... Uh, Jack Jones is a guy who has actually drawn a lot of comparisons to J.C. Jackson, you know, in terms of he slipped because of off-field stuff. But, like, when he's out there, he can, you know, he, he has some J.C. Jackson to his game from the side of it. So, look, if one of those guys turns out to be a really good player, then, you know, okay, Belichick did, you know, did, you know this draft is going to skyrocket, you know, upward in, in terms of how good it was significantly in my eyes. That's really what this draft hinges on to me. One of these two corners, it's such a neat position, is going to have to step up and surprise. Um, and I think it's possible, but obviously you can't bank on it with third and fourth round picks. Um, then you have... There's some other weird picks on day three, like like drafting a quarterback was a little weird. Um, Bailey Zapp, Zappy, I don't know how you say his name, but... 
Um, I mean, I'm sure he'll be a decent backup in the league for a long time. That's certainly what the comp is on him. They compare him to, to someone like Chase Daniel. But um, spending that resource on a quarterback is a little weird. Um, especially, I, I think, having a, a, a veteran like Brian Hoyer around is good for Mac Jones. Could mean uh, the end of Jarrett Stidham in New England. But um, I'm not sure he's really going anywhere with this team anyway at this point. Um, would not be surprised if Jared Stidham just because of the coaching connection. Not be shocked if he ended up with the Raiders. Um, that's just a guess. To help back up Derek Carr. Um, and then running back, um, strong from South Dakota State. Um, that definitely has me questioning what Damian Harris's future on the team is. Um, I don't think there's a bad pick necessarily. Um, he seems like a really good player, and he seems like a really quick guy. You know, at running back, maybe he becomes the pass catching option of the future um, over over James White. If James White doesn't last that much longer, we don't know. But it's going to be interesting because they did not make this pick to. With the idea that he's just not going to ever play. Like, they, they either made this pick with the idea that he's going to be the third down back of the future. Or that he is going to be the number two back on a thunder and lightning combo with Ramondre Stevenson. And then um, Jamie Harris is going to be the odd man out. Maybe they don't even know the answer. Maybe they got to get him in the building. We'll see. But I wouldn't be shocked if... Um, Wouldn't be shocked if Damian Harris has moved. If they don't think they're going to be able to sign him, wouldn't be shocked if some team called and offered draft compensation for Damian Harris if the Patriots took it. They might envision Ramondre Stevenson as the back of the future anyways. Um, and if they envision Strong as a number two, maybe they do that. Or maybe it just gives James White more time to go back from the injury. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. But I don't think that... I think that was an okay pick. And then... Um, And then they, there's some other weird picks later. They, they, they drafted another running back, Kevin Harris from South Carolina. I thought that was weird. Um, they drafted a couple offensive linemen, um, which I think was uh, good. They usually draft offensive line pretty well late in drafts. So I, I think taking a couple couple shots in late in, late with the offensive line you know, every year is, is a solid move. And then... Um, There one more one more pick. Who was the who was the other pick they made? Um They took let's see. Oh, the defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean so they, they took a defensive lineman. I was kind of I thought it would be more of a nose tackle type. Um than than they got, but I mean you know, I, I thought that was a position they they might look to add. So, um, yeah, I mean, so so just at the end of the day, don't like how they use the first pick, especially. But um, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to those corners, and the odds are not going to be in the Patriots' favor on that. Um, but look, if one of those corners really steps up and becomes a a real great NFL player, then 
we're going to have to look at this draft a lot differently. But right now, it's hard for me to like it too much. And I definitely think, look, I think the Patriots are being slept on a little bit because um, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, these other teams are doing all this stuff. And I'll say, oh, this Team X is trading for flashy receiver Y and giving up all this money and their pick. And oh, so we have to move them up our rankings for how great the team is. You know, well, it doesn't always work that way. Like, there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but um, it's hard for me to see the Patriots making the playoffs as it is. I think they'll be in the mix for it. I think they'll be close, but it's hard for me to to, to put them, you know, in the top seven. Um, so I do think they're going to take a step back because of how they've handled this offseason with, you know, the offensive play caller vacancy and the draft and free I think all of it's left something to be desired and I think it's going to affect this team on the field it really is um so we'll see what happens but so thanks for listening I think we're going to wrap with that and uh I hope everybody has a great night and uh you know look forward to these uh game three starting back up on Friday and then, obviously, the two best series, you know, will be going on Saturday. So I uh, look forward to that, and uh, have a great evening.